0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with Toby Usnick. I am so honored today to have as our guest, Maurice Jones, who is president and CEO of LISC, also known as the Local Initiatives Support Corporation. This is a U.S. nonprofit community development financial institution, or a CDFI, And at the helm of this robust organization, Maurice is really working at that intersection of private and public sectors for true social impact. And this is impact that is in the billions, not the thousands, not the millions. So before we bring Maurice into the conversation, I just have to read a little bit of his bio for you all so you can just get a sense of who this man is. This really is a life that deserves certainly a movie or a soundtrack, I would say, (laughs) Maurice was born in a rural Mecklenburg County, Virginia. He was raised by his grandparents on their tobacco farm. His life and mine intersected as undergraduates at that fine, small liberal arts college, Hampton-Sydney College, go Tigers, known for forming good men and good citizens since 1776. After Hampton-Sydney, he was awarded a prestigious Rhodes Scholarship and attended Magdalen College, Oxford, before then going on to earn his law degree at the University of Virginia. Joining the private sector, Maurice was a general manager of the Virginia Pilot in Norfolk, Virginia, and went on to become president and publisher of its parent company. He also worked in a Richmond law firm and in private philanthropy investing for community-based efforts to benefit children in the Washington, D.C. area. With his legal training, Maurice worked during the Clinton administration on legal policy and program issues at the Treasury Department, where he also helped manage a then-new initiative called Community Development Financial Institutions, or CDFI Funds. So you're getting the the prelude here, folks. A a federal program that has grown to be a critical supporter of nonprofits that leverage its capital to bolster their communities. During the uh, Obama administration, then, Maurice went on to serve as Deputy Undersecretary of HUD, the Department of Housing and Urban Development. He was then the Virginia Secretary of Commerce in the Cabinet of Governor Terry McAuliffe. And then just last month he was named as a candidate, fingers crossed, for the U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development in the Biden-Harris administration. So with that limited introduction, I have to welcome Maurice to the Caring Economy. Welcome Maurice Jones. Thanks for having me. Nice to be with you. Hey Maurice, Tell our I've given a little overview to the audience about CDFIs and LISTS, but could you tell our listeners who are from around the world and who not are not all finance or social impact folks a little bit about these organ, your organization and, and what it is and how it works?
1: Yeah, sure, absolutely. So LISC is a, as you said, a community development financial institution. Uh, and uh, simply put, community development financial institutions are uh, organizations that provide access to capital to people into places that are underbanked, unbanked, uh, disinvested, underinvested. Um, so that often in the U.S. means uh communities that are low wealth, black and brown communities, rural communities, mm-hmm. but we serve as full service financial institutions for uh, these people in these places uh, and organizations mm-hmm. uh, in the country. So list provides grants, we provide loans, we provide equity investments, we use tax credits to build housing or preserve housing. Uh, and we provide technical assistance to help folks, to help organizations acquire capital, acquire help, uh, et cetera. Uh, So we really do combine the financial tools with the consulting and technical tools with the big goal uh, being to really try to uh, catalyze investment in the underinvestment, Mm -hmm. underinvested and disinvested places in the country. That's what we do at LISC. That's what the CDFI industry does in this country.
0: Yeah, uh, it's interesting you say it's an industry because it's one that I think a lot of people don't know about, which is one of the reasons I'm thrilled to have you here because I think in my experience, this is a way forward. We can't rely on old-fashioned philanthropy or old-fashioned pure commerce to be the solutions to elevating communities to a better place. I know that last, well, 2018, I saw your, your reports. You, were, you had about $1.5 billion in, in grants and claimed to have leveraged about $4.4 billion in total development with 700 partners across America. Uh, we've got 35 cities, 2,100 rural communities, and 44 states. It doesn't get much more democratic or inclusive than that, does it?
1: No, and I I think uh, your your point is well taken too, that when you think of the uh, financial system, the system of commerce in the country, what people often overlook is the industry that is known as the community development financial institutions industry which is serving a big, big portion of the country that does not have consistent um, financial and other relationships with, with, with what one would traditionally think about as yep. making up the, you know, the big banks or the community banks, et cetera. You've got a whole industry that's actually uh, maintaining relationships with people and places and organizations and have been doing it for quite some time and deploying capital, we need to do more through those organizations because they're on the ground uh, right there. I mean, you, you, you made the point about us. We actually now have 37 offices around the country and we work in right now 45 states in 2,200 rural counties. Uh, So, you know, our reach and the reach of the entire industry really touches every state in the union.
0: Yeah, I want to come back to that, Maurice, and ask you a little bit about comparing and contrasting the rural versus the urban initiatives. But first, I I wanted to... um, to go back a little bit on the um, the history of Lisk in particular, founded by the Ford Founda- some Ford Foundation executives back in the day, which, you know, Darren Walker is a friend. I'm sure he's a friend of yours as well. This is a man who Indeed. needs social justice as is yeah. the Ford Foundation. Awesome yeah. to think that 40 years ago, they were thinking this way. And to go on to where you are today, where Lisk has, I think, $60 billion worth of value it can claim in supporting... Everything from affordable housing, 400,000 affordable units to 66 million square feet in retail and community facilities, really helping individuals get into the economy so that they can then grow their wealth, grow their communities. Just awesome, that visionary way. So you're, you're now the fourth CEO of this organization in those 40 years, right? I am. Yes, that's correct. Awesome. How did you get there? Can you, can you tell us a little bit about your journey uh, from... Southside, Virginia, to New York City?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think the sort of catalyst to LISC was what you mentioned um, regarding my, um, so I went to law school after coming back from grad school, and out of law school, I went to practice law in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I found that uh, that, that was uh, probably not the place I wanted to spend the rest of my, my life. Mm -hmm. working with good folks uh, and all that kind of good stuff, but didn't really like the work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I got the chance to go and work with the Treasury Department uh, at the U.S. government. This was when President Clinton was president. Mm -hmm. And when I um, arrived at the Treasury Department, uh, I learned of this piece of the Treasury, uh, this unit called the Community Development Financial Institutions Fund. Mm -hmm. Well, I right away, I was still a lawyer, so I right away started to do some legal work for them. Mm -hmm. And after a while, they approached me and said, would you like to be our general counsel? And I jumped on it because it was this great combination of uh, business and mission, Mm -hmm. right? It was using a business model to fight poverty, to catalyze opportunity, and that was the sweet spot that I wanted. And so I went. Uh, I eventually became the head of that um, organization, the CDFI Fund, before uh, the Clinton administration ended. And then I went back out into um, into the private sector, and but I never lost my. Um, uh, interests and uh, passion for this development finance. And so I was um, working in my second tour of duty in state government with Governor McAuliffe, mm-hmm. and a headhunter called and said, Guess what? Lisk, and I knew Lisk from my time at the CDFI Fund, yeah. is looking for a new CEO. In fact, the CEO of Lisk at the time. Uh, reached out to me first and said, Hey, I'm retiring. I didn't believe him. I said, No, you're not. Uh, Michael Rubiger was his name. I yeah. said, You're never going to retire. Uh, but he said, I'm retiring. So I just want to let you know in case you have some interest. And so when the headhunter called me, I right away said, Yes, I'd be interested in talking about this job. It's the look, it's this great blend of uh, business and mission uh, and um lending and programmatic urban and rural yep. it just has all the components that um that i have great interest in and it really works it really makes a difference yeah. and so that's how i got here
0: yeah well it seems to me uh, you are a purposeful person purpose-driven and that narrative has has woven through your life and i think that um you know, going back to Hampton-Sydney, I think there is something in the water there about service. And there is definitely something purpose, in the water. So, yeah. Um, Hampton, I know you says, have one, good men and good citizens, right? Yeah. And so yeah. You even have our colleague, Jackie Chan, over there. More That's right. That. I, <laughs> do, I do <laughs> have he, Jackie. He's awesome. So please fabulous. say hi to Jackie. Um, I so with the um, uh, One of the other things that really fascinates me about your journey, Maurice, is that you you have brought all your learning along the way. So this social impact is so buzzworthy now. It has been for the past several years. And it's, I think everyone is well-intentioned when they go there, so to speak, but you're doing it and you, you've you been doing it and you, you're you bringing it, infusing it into LISC. And I, I wonder about that. I know you have your your new, uh, you call it 10X initiative or- yeah. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that, because it seems to me that that's a great example of how you're really generating the impact with investors. Yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: Yeah. So so think about this moment. Right. We we are in a country and a world, but just just uh, confined to our country where I think one of the biggest threats to the American democratic experiment and it remains an experiment. Are the massive gaps of wealth and health and opportunity mm-hmm. that exist between whites in the country and people of color just to put it simple mm-hmm. um and we've got tools that can actually fight to close those gaps and so my thought was what better thing should we be doing mm-hmm. this is a, the greatest threat to the american democracy let's use our tools to Mm -hmm. fight these gaps. So we put together a project 10X, we call it, that aims to uh, increase home ownership rates among people of color, increase small business ownership rates among people of color, get more people of color into living wage jobs and careers, help more people of color get access to uh, financial services, credit, savings opportunities, insurance and then invest in those community assets that we know produce wealth, health and opportunity. Broadband in rural America, uh, health, education, safety and justice, Mm -hmm. uh, arts. So we've put together a comprehensive project and that's what we're calling it to close the racial health, wealth and and opportunity gaps. And we're gonna raise a billion dollars Uh, to actually do this and what we're saying is 10x right stay with us for 10 years the wealth gap between whites and blacks is 10 times and you need to do 10x bold innovative thinking if you're really going to solve these problems all that name 10x is an allusion to all of that but at, at base this is about i think fighting what's really keeping us from being
0: a more perfect union. In e pluribus unum. That's yeah. it. Yeah, That's well, it. I'm reminded earlier this year, I spent a couple of months working on the Bloomberg campaign. I'm a big fan of Mike Bloomberg. Ah. And he launched the Greenwood Initiative, which yep. I'm sure you're familiar Absolutely. with because along the same lines, give Absolutely. people who've been unbanked or uh, have not had the classic asset to build their, their wealth on, which is home ownership, right? So if yep. you have them built to be able to get loans to buy homes, then they can accrue wealth and build yep. communities, job creation, you yep. use historically black colleges, universities, all these things are so basic, I think, fundamental. And they're not, I don't think of them so much as a black white issue. I think of them as, as, as you say, tools that can be used by anyone. And so I'm excited to, to see what you're doing there. And I, I wonder how it's been culturally to sell into, starting with your board, right? Uh, yeah, have, it, it
1: hasn't it hasn't been hard to culturally sell this at all. Good. You know, we're in a moment now, right? We've got a pandemic that is disproportionately impacting low wealth communities around the country. Okay. We've got a recession that's disproportionately impacting Uh, businesses led by women and people of color. Mm -hmm. We've got a racial reckoning going on. Um, These are all um, recent uh, challenges and crises and I think calls to action Mm -hmm. that actually have as their genesis a long history in the country of not yet being there when it comes to treating us all as an equal and valued member of the human family.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: 10X is let's use some tools to actually help the country pursue that mission better. And so selling that to folks uh, has not been a challenge at all because people now are more Uh, awake and aware Mm -hmm. that this project has a lot of work to do.
0: So let me ask you about that. Um, So ladies and gentlemen, again, we have today as our guest on the Caring Economy, Maurice Jones, who's president and CEO of the LISC or the Local Initiatives Support Corporation. Uh, Maurice, the 10x initiative, how do how can we uh, for our audience members who want to explore, get involved, possibly invest, are you interested in family offices? Are you in individual investors, uh, financial advisors? How does yeah. one approach you? So yeah.
1: great question. So uh, so let me, big picture, we're trying to raise a billion dollars for this project. A uh, hundred million dollars in grant capital, $900 million in low to no cost debt in equity capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody who wants to invest, Actually, they can go up on our website uh, at uh, www.list.org uh, and see all of what 10X proposes to do. Uh, and in terms of investing, they can reach out to me directly so that I can put them in touch with the folks who are actually managing their investments. Right. Here's the thing. You can invest um, in grant fashion. You can in- invest in a uh, PRI or program related investment in fashion. You can invest mm-hmm. in debt fashion. You can invest in equity fashion. You can invest and in providing a guarantee. So we have multiple options for individuals, for family offices, for corporations, for foundations to actually invest in this project. What we're asking is invest for the long term. Invest for a 10-year journey plus. that yep. can really produce results,
0: which is a fair ask, right? I mean, if you're if you're really committed to social justice or cause solutions, be it cancer or climate or COVID, you don't want a flash in the pan kind of investment. Yeah. You you
1: can't you can't get it done, right? It, the the issues that we're trying to address are issues that require faithfulness in Mm -hmm. order to actually solve
0: them. and Uh, you've got a 40 year record of doing it.
1: And we know how to do it, and these tools work. We know how we've got, to your points you were making up front, we know how to produce housing for uh, these communities. We've produced 420,000 units of housing, right? We know how to produce uh, community facilities that actually catalyze opportunity we've got almost 70 million square feet of community facility space out there. So we know how to lend, right? We've invested uh, and leveraged $65 billion. So this stuff works. And by the way, we've never not repaid an investor the return that was promised. In a timely manner. I'm I'm knocking on wood, never late never not paid. I'm knocking on wood as I say that to make sure I don't jinx myself.
0: (laughs) I think your disclosure is very clear. You know, you want flexible, nimble and creative investors, right? Yes. And I will tell you in all my work with family offices and philanthropists around the world, the wealth transfer that's happening now and the next (laughs) gen that is inheriting this money, that's what they want. They don't want traditional checkbook philanthropy. They don't want Old school grants. They want to be in it and they want to learn and be a part of it. And it's a really exciting time to see that wealth transfer. Transfer, but what you also allow is the values to transfer with it, right? Yes, so from absolutely. From one generation to the next, you can do it as a family. If you
1: want. Absolutely. I tell people all the time, we were doing impact investment before it was cool, right? right? And before so I am even. glad. Yeah. I am glad that there are now more <laughs> players on the court. And so I say, welcome. Let's have a big, bold game, right? Let's not play small ball. Let's go ten x. That's I mean, that's what I'm saying.
0: That's super exciting. So tell me about your. So you've got Robert Rubin as your board chair, right? He First, is, a yes, Goldman Sachs alumnus, yes. former U.S. Secretary of the Treasury. Yep. I mean, if that doesn't give an investor confidence in Lisk and you, then I don't know what would.
1: Well, he is has been and currently still is a fabulous chair and a committed chair. And to your point, you can rest assured that Bob Rubens being the chair of this community development financial institution means that we actually uh, have to make sure that we are rigorous, that we are, doing our job in a financially prudent fashion, that we're getting the impact, because um, this, is, this is the standard that he has set for all of us, and he is relentless and uncompromising about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I would hope that any organization where Bob Rubin Um, is the chair and has decided to remain chair, by the way, for plus 17 years now, I would hope that inspires confidence in people that this organization is one worth placing a bet on.
0: Absolutely. And then again, your leadership, your predecessor's leadership, but those 40 years of impact that you have generated speak volumes, I believe. So I'm hopeful that uh, some of our listeners will be following up with you directly and I'll continue to wave the flag. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we have Maurice Jones today. He's president and CEO of LISC, the local initiative support corporation. He's also, as I am, a proud alumnus of Hampton Sydney College. Go Tigers, go Tigers. I wanna go back to not only the college's mission of forming good men and good citizens since 1776, but to your career journey what is it? You, I'm sure people seek you out all the time for advice, not just young students, but also people who are mid-career and later. Do you have any particular um, soundbites, lessons learned, or uh, regular mantras that you would want to share with our listeners? Because We have a lot of those both young career aspirational folks, as well as mid-career and C-suite executives. Yeah, you know.
1: What I would tell you is uh, what I have tried to do and still aspire to do is literally to outwork everybody around me, right? (laughs) And and I tried to do that at Hampton, Sydney, right? I tried to outwork because, you know, practically everybody around me was 10 times smarter than me. So I was like, oh, man, so what do I do? How do I mitigate that? Well, my mitigation strategy was outwork them. Just outwork them steady longer into the night, et cetera etc cetera. so uh, outworking folks literally trying to um, the other piece for me is um, I have and this this happened certainly at Hinton Sydney, I always seek out mentors, yep um, folks who uh, have already been on the pathway or some of the pathways that I aspire to travel. Mm-hmm. And I make sure that I seek them out, right? Mm-hmm. Not waiting until the other way around, but I seek them out to learn from them, to, to uh, uh, acquire perspective from them. Uh, and it has been a game changer in everything that I've done uh, uh, all over, uh, all through my career. Uh, The last thing is um, this sense of values. I have tried to make sure that I brought my sense of values with me uh, and held on to them and maintained them in every place that I've been. And where, um, you know, getting ahead or advancing or making a profit uh, conflicted with my values I have sacrificed that profit or that getting ahead, and so yeah. I would tell people: have your own sense of values, and do not do not let anything distract you from them. Um, that doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. I make twenty every day before seven a.m. Right, but but hold on to your your sense of purpose and values. Those those would be uh those would be similar
0: things. I am uh, with you. I talk about having I I sort of caught in the people who I describe as having a moral compass that points north. And you just know it when you're in their presence. I think some of the people you've worked with that you have on your board are examples. I wonder I wonder if and also when you talk about working hard, I'm reminded of Sally Sussman, who was on our show earlier this year, head of comms at um, external affairs at Pfizer. We used to work together at American Express, and she used to say the harder you work, the luckier you get. Mm. And I believe with that, you know, it's luck plays.
1: I should have added in that luck thing, because, man, let me tell you, luck has been good to me. (laughs) (laughs) I tell people all the time, it's better to be lucky than good.
0: Right. And then it also reminds me your second point for our listeners about the mentor piece. I know what you do also that I do is the reverse piece, right? Like you, you seek out mentors, but at the same time, you're ready, willing and able to mentor others. I know well, that's the, I, I see amazing. that as,
1: you know, that's how you give it back, right? You, you, um, you, you give back as well. So, yeah, absolutely. I try to do that, too.
0: Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank, again, Maurice Jones, who's been our guest today on The Caring Economy. Maurice is not only a Hampton-Sydney alumnus, but he is the president and CEO of LISC, the local initiative support corporation, really rocking the world with with impact investing and community development. So, Maurice, any final thoughts for our listeners on The Caring Economy?
1: You know, I guess what I would say in this season uh, is... um, I know we're all fighting uh, pandemics and recessions and uh, experiencing a racial reckoning. And I hope uh, that everybody stays well, stays healthy. Uh, my thoughts and my prayers and my best wishes go out to all of your listeners. And, and Toby, it's, it's always nice to connect to a Hampton City man. So thank you so much for your time.